Good morning. It's good to be here. I uh, started, me and my wife started the, the church, Calvary Chapel Elderette, that you saw on the, the screen. And I want to just kind of clarify, the reason you saw so much of us like worshiping and people sitting and listening is because we, we just do Bible studies all the time. That, that's what our ministry is. In 2010, me and my wife moved to um, Elderet, four months married, and she was two months pregnant. And, uh, you know, we saw that that was probably the best thing to do for our marriage, is to move to Africa and to grow in the Lord together. So, you know, I really, we didn't know how to start a church, so we just started inviting people to a Bible study. And, you know, we believed a few things that we need to be on the ground, you know, full time. And that the word of God is uh, powerful. And no matter the culture, no matter what happens, it's going to transcend um, any type of differences that Americans may have with Kenyans or Africans. So we did that. And that was in uh, November of 2010. And the Lord has really blessed his word and honored his word as it's gone forth. Our church, Calvary Chapel, we're kind of, we, we do a Bible exposition. So we kind of start from... Um, on the midweek studies from Genesis and we work our way through and on Sunday morning we started in Matthew and we work our way through and you know we kind of went from Matthew to Revelation and that's what we do and I got to tell you that world missions has has really changed over the last 20 years and it it really has moved, and I don't have a lot of time to share this this morning, but I kind of want to make Americans aware of this transition of world missions. And over the last 20 years, world missions really has transitioned into a, a, a predominantly humanitarian uh, mission, where you go feed people, you clothe people, you help orphans and widows. And though those things are wonderful, and that is, as James says, true religion. Um, the, the real mission of Jesus Christ, the commission that he gave us, we call it the great commission, right? Is to preach the gospel and make disciples. And, and that's what our ministry is. It's to do church planning, training and disciple. First, preaching the gospel. People get born again. And then training uh, local men to start churches in rural areas or into areas that the Lord has called them to do. And that's, that's what we do. Our, our ministry is called Gospel for Kenya. Now, I'm not the kind of guy that the, the really kind of, I'd rather us get into the word this morning. But please, uh, um, and we thank Pastor Dwayne for letting us come and, and the pastoral staff. But if you have questions, and, and we would love to answer them, and we, the Lord is moving deeply in our church and it's just the word of God. It really is. In 18 months, we've baptized over 200 people. And for us, it's incredible. And it's not like people just thinking they're getting saved because they're getting baptized. It's they're sticking around after they get baptized. And really, isn't that the goal of pastors? You, you, you share the gospel, you're doing discipleship, and you see those people still joining the local family, the local church. And we've seen that. So if you have questions, go to the table Ask them and pick up one of these cards. We printed a thousand of them. So, you know, we want you to pick them up. There's some information, our family, 
Uh, if you wanted to get involved, there's information on that. On the back is our, is our staff for Gospel for Kenya and Calvary Chapel Eldoret. And you can kind of put a picture to your prayers if you want to pray or, or support that. Also, we brought African jewelry. Uh, it's, it helps support the ministry. It helps support our travels. So, listen, men, if, go buy your wife something. It's for a good cause. And ladies, go spend your husband's money. Is that wrong to say? Just go to the table and buy up all the jewelry. All right? And uh, pick up one of these cards. These are absolutely free, and we, want to, we don't want to go back to Kenya with a bunch of cards. So I want to get into the Word, but the, the ministry is important. We've been there nine, almost ten years, and it's just awesome to see what God is doing and to see that the Bible transcends all cultures of all people of all time. So, so come check the table out. We're going to be in Romans 1 this morning. Go uh, Golden State Warriors. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know this is Cavaliers land, right? I just lost every basketball fan in the room. I realized that yesterday when I was talking to, to Pastor Kelsey. He, I was like, who are you going for in the NBA championship? And he was like, not Golden State Warriors. And I realized you guys have been enemies with Golden State for very long. Anyways. Romans chapter 1, the title of today's message is Believing in the Power of the Gospel. And I've heard that you guys have been going through some series of gospel training. Just getting the, the body of Christ equipped to go share the gospel. And that's kind of a blessing because that's uh, what the message is going to be about today. Romans chapter 1. I want to read the first 17 verses. And then we're going to come into about three things that I want us to focus on in these verses this morning. Let's read from verse 1 to verse 17. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you are also the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world for God is my witness, whom I served with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that you may be established." That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel 
to you who are in Rome also. Verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. One more prayer. Lord, convict us, empower us with this scripture that you've given us this morning and help us to understand it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we have, you know, the first 17 verses, the last couple verses, very famous, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And the title of the message is Believing in the Power of the Gospel. And though I'm accustomed to do an exposition, that's not what I'm going to do with these 17 verses. So those Bible exposition people who love it, sorry. It's just a sermon this morning, Believing in the Power of the Gospel. I'm going to give us three things that we need to think about, consider, and I would ask that everybody here opens their heart this morning to being convicted, to to be sanctified in your approach to Christian living. Right off the bat, just be open to change. Be open to sanctification. Because though most of us A lot of us probably have been in churches a long time. We've heard message after message after message of people exhorting and encouraging the body of Christ to go share their faith. And it's really good that we do that, but at times you've probably been conflicted, like, I'm not an evangelist. I don't go just share my faith with strangers. And you've been conflicted with, you know, the pastor's always hammering, go share your faith, go share your faith. And I hope I bring some clarification to... Your, your concerns this morning, but I will say right off the bat, the, the statistics of people who regularly share the word of God or their faith with their colleagues, family, and friends is very low in the body of Christ throughout the world, and, and that number should increase. But you, you think about the Apostle Paul for a moment who writes the book of Romans. It is the filet mignon of the gospel. It is absolutely one of the most glorious books ever written in all of the Bible. It's profound yet simple. And what I want to do this morning in these three points, the number one is the gospel is a gift. Number two, we are in debt to the gospel. And number three, don't be ashamed of the gospel. And as we're going to look at all of those, we see a man, the Apostle Paul, who I want you to consider just for a few minutes. The Apostle Paul was a part of the Sanhedrin, He was discipled by a rabbi named Gamaliel who was one of the leading rabbis in all of the Jew world. He was this amazing teacher. And we even hear a comment he made through extra books that the Saul of Tarshish was his number one student. The only problem he had with him is he did not have enough books to give him. And to understand the kind of theological training that the Apostle Paul went through is he had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament and it is probable that he had memorized the entire Old Testament word for word. He had to be able to recite every law in so many of the rabbinical writings He was trained in oratory. He was trained on how to present the law to hundreds of people. The amount of training he went through, I mean, just consider 
memorizing one chapter. Some of us need to even consider memorizing one verse. And Paul had memorized, Saul of Tarsus had memorized the first five books of the Bible as was a requirement by the Sanhedrin Council. He was probably raised in an affluent family with an arranged marriage with another affluent family because you had to be married to be a part of the Sanhedrin. Scholar of scholars. I mean, Jonathan Edwards would pale in comparison to the scholarship that was Saul of Tarshish. And all of a sudden, he's going to Damascus to continue his persecution against Christians, and he has an encounter with Jesus Christ. And from the onslaught of his ministry, and which seemed to be the theme of his entire life, it is, what do you want me to do? He encounters Jesus, and what do you want me to do? You guys remember? Lord. And then the theme of his ministry, I am ready to serve and preach the gospel, Romans 1.15. Paul was ready to suffer, Acts 21.13. Paul was ready to do unpleasant, hard labor and work, 2 Corinthians 10.6. Paul was ready to die even, 2 Timothy 4.6. It, it just seemed to be this theme with the Apostle Paul that his entire life was about the gospel. Now, there's something else you need to, to, to understand. When I say the gospel today, it is synonymous with Jesus Christ. Because theologically speaking, Jesus Christ is the gospel. Or as one of John Piper's books was, God is the gospel. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of all the good news we receive from the word of God. So they're synonymous terms, at least this morning. And the Apostle Paul, his whole life was altered by this. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul makes a statement. He says, I did not come to you with excellency of speech. And it was something that the Corinthians mocked the Apostle Paul over. They said he did not come in excellency of speech. And he admits that he did not do that. I want to point out that Paul... He could have come with excellency of speech. I mean, he could have sat down and delivered a study. And his scholarship and his brain capacity, as immense as it was, that would blow the entire room out of the waters. Just like, man, that guy is awesome. This is the greatest scholar, theologian I have ever heard. But he says that he didn't do that. What did he do? He came preaching the gospel with simplicity. And he was so adamant that the gospel was presented with simplicity that he even had concerns. In 2 Corinthians, he said, I fear as Eve was deceived in the Garden of Eden that you will now be deceived in the simplicity of the gospel. So believing in the power of the gospel, my goal this morning is that you have less confidence in yourself to present the gospel and more confidence in the power of the gospel. Number one, Paul says he wanted to come to them to impart to them a spiritual gift. And the gospel is a gift. That's number one. The gospel is a gift to the world. Whether it's to a Christian or whether it's to a, a, a non-believer, the gospel is a gift. 
And we need to start viewing this because we get real nervous when we have to share our faith with people or share the word of God with people. But like the Apostle Paul, the more we are totally and absolutely consumed with Jesus Christ, the more we will share our faith with people. We we have to look at the beauty of Christ and what he has done and who he is to have the desire to go out and share. You guys remember the famous verse in Romans 12, verse 1. It's, Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you remember it? To present your bodies a living, holy and pleasing unto the God. Therefore, he says in verse 1. And the reason he says therefore like Dr. Vernon McGee used to say, if the Bible says therefore, we have to figure out what it's there for. And, and the idea is because of the first 11 chapters, now we come to this climactic verse that says, therefore, present your body a living sacrifice. I want to illustrate this because it is so important that you will not have a desire to go share the gospel just because the preachers always say, go share your faith, go share the word of God, go share your faith, you will not have a desire to do that unless you have beheld and loved the beauty of Jesus Christ and have a deep relationship with him. That was the Apostle Paul. So this illustration I use, I mean, if I came to one of you and I said, listen, I got a terrible foot fungus, would you please wash my feet? You guys honestly would say, no, right? That would be the, I would say no if you asked me to do that. I, I throw out spirituality. I don't think so. No. Or I might ask you why. Why would you want me to do that? Go pay somebody to do that. But if I came to you presenting a, a different scenario, I said, I just want you to know, I just put a million dollars in your bank account. I, the, that, that, that new, you know, I would say Ferrari, but you guys don't care about that. That, new, that brand new Ford F-150 is yours out in the parking lot. And I'm going to send all of your kids to whatever college they want. Will you please wash my feet? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah, and who do you want, who do you want me to kill? I mean, I'll do anything. Anything. What, is that all you want? In light of... What I did for you, you're ready to now wash my feet. And the idea of Romans 12:1 is in light of everything Christ has done in the first 11 chapters, it is only reasonable. It is only reasonable to come and present your entire life to Jesus Christ. I home church is in the state of Maine. Has anybody been to Maine in a winter? It's brutal. By the way, I forgot to introduce my family. My wife, can you raise your hand? Isn't she beautiful? My kids, too, are there. They're, uh, they were all born in Africa. Little blonde head kids over there. Um, my, we, we come from Maine, and the, the winters in Maine are absolutely brutal. And really, it's a, it's a hard life. It, it, it's hard to eke out a living in the state of Maine. You've got eight months of winter. When I moved there... My third day I was there, it was 20 degrees below zero. And I was questioning the, the goodness of God in my life. Why am I here, Lord? 
Well, one winter, my, my pastor's septic tank froze underground. Crazy, huh? Those microbes that were, do their thing to kill what's supposed to be killed were not happening, so he had to get a space heater, and he opened the, the septic lid, and he pointed the space heater down into the septic tank. He propped it up on a brick or a, a, a block, and he melted the septic tank. What a joy. And when he came back and he, was, he knocked the block over an accident and that, that space heater went down in the septic tank and bloop. And he, the first thing he thought was, that thing is gone. <laughs> I'm never going after that. I don't care if it costs $1,000. I'm not going in. But imagine if that was your wife. And if, if any guy just thought, that's gone too, you're, you got problems. Imagine if it's your wife or your son or your daughter. I mean, guys, wouldn't we jump right in? I mean, head first. You know, I'm getting my child. Jesus Christ, for the joy that was set before him, despising the shame, endured the cross. He being God in heaven, looked down in the raw sewage cesspool of evil of this world, and he dove in head first because he loves us. I mean, the Bible says that we are a little lower than the angels. Us humans, we're lower than the angels in terms of our life form. And Christ, being higher than the angels, became a lower than the angels. Hebrews, he became lower than the angels in his life form, being a human being. That doesn't change his deity, but it says he became lower than the angels. It's unimaginable. I mean, who... Maggots are a lower life form than human beings. Wouldn't we agree? I hope we would. We're not in California. A lower life form. Maggots are. Which one of us ever looked into a trash can and saw the maggots doing their work? You're like, man, they're so, I love them. (laughs) I love them so much. I want to be one of them. I'm I'm going to become one of them to die for all of them so that they can be saved. Who thinks like that? None of us, but Jesus Christ, I thank God, who is God, has those thoughts and has that compassion, has that love for a lower life form than he was, human beings. He loves us. He became one of us. He died for us. Isn't that incredible? The gospel is a gift, guys. We can't we can't hide it when we go to work. We can't hide it when we go out. And, and number two point this morning, we are in debt to it. We are in debt to the gospel. Now let me clarify. We are not in debt in a way that we could earn our salvation. And we, we understand grace. Grace is a free gift of God. Um, And it's not of works lest anyone should boast. But Paul says here in Romans 1 that I am in debt to you people. I'm in debt to the wise, to the unwise. I'm in debt to Greeks and barbarians. Paul had a worldview that because of the grace of Jesus Christ and the gospel and the love that was poured out upon him, he he says that the, the love of Christ shed abroad in my heart 
he viewed his life as not his own. He was a bond slave, and he went around saying he's in debt to everybody that God loves. He's in debt. And he was not shy about sharing the gospel. Many of us have debts, right? Maybe it's a house payment. Maybe it's a car payment. If you don't pay that, then probably the bank will come and repossess whatever it is. You have to make your payments. I firmly believe that we are in complete debt to Jesus Christ and we are to obey anything he desires to do, which would include shedding and preaching the gospel everywhere we go. No matter how uncomfortable we feel doing it, no matter how hard it is, we are in debt to the gospel. We are in debt to Jesus Christ. I, uh, I was listening to Tim Keller uh, teach on a series on grace. And Tim Keller said that when he was teaching this series of grace, this lady came up to his church, and his church is in downtown New York City and, or Manhattan, and uh, he... So a lot of people who are atheists and people with different worldviews, they'll come and listen to him. And this lady who was struggling with her faith, she was an atheist, but then she became a believer in God and she was struggling, being sanctified, and she was a new Christian. She came to him and she said, you know, this grace thing that you're talking about really bothers me. And he said, why does it bother you? He said, because if I could do things, go to church, pay my tithes, be nice to people, you know, give some food out to the homeless every now and again, then I can be right with God, so to speak, and because I can do things to be right with God, then God can have like eight hours of the day. He can have my nine to five. And then the rest of my life is my own. But you're saying that there's nothing we can do to earn favor with God, to earn salvation with God, which is grace, And if that's the truth, if I accept this deal, there is not one minute of the day that belongs to me. It belongs completely to Christ. So I am essentially a slave. And Tim Keller's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And that was bad news to her. Even though it was bad news to her, she understood grace, I believe, more than a lot of the people in the church. I believe so many of us live a legalistic life and it's proof that we can be so lazy with our Christianity. I mean, consider some of our music. You guys know the, the hymn, All to Jesus, I Surrender? Isn't that wonderful? It's a beautiful hymn. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. I was thinking the other day, wouldn't it be like more intellectually honest if we sang a song to, do you guys remember I Would Do Anything for Love by Meatloaf? You remember that? What if we just were honest with ourselves and be like, I would do anything for you, Lord. I would do anything for you, Lord. But I won't do that. Wouldn't it be? Because so many of us, we do like the, the, the four things that we really think makes us right with God. Go to church, give some money, help people, be nice. God has called us to be absolute warriors for him. We are in debt, not 
to salvation because we can't earn it, but because of the free gift of salvation, we are eternally indebted to worship Christ forever. There's this old song that I like. Well, it's not that old. I guess, isn't it weird when young people say this really years ago? It was like early 2000s. You guys remember? Uh, it's called, um, I don't remember what it's called, but the chorus is, uh, what can I do for your Lord? It's not a question of what you can do for me. What can I do for you, Lord? And it, it can mess you up a little bit, like you're earning your salvation, but let me tell you something. Theologically speaking, if Christ didn't do one more thing for you for the rest of eternity, he would still deserve all of your worship for all eternity. If he didn't bless you one more time, which he does, but if he didn't, he is still worthy of all worship forever and ever and ever. We are completely indebted to Christ because of what he's already done, not what he will continue to do for you. And then thirdly, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Of course, you, you see, I am not ashamed of the gospel. The Apostle Paul is going into Rome... We all already know the Lord had promised him that he's going to make it to Rome. He's going to be able to share the gospel there. He's going to die there. You know, imagine. Hey, you're going to die in New York City if you go share the gospel there. It's like, well, I'm ready to go. That's the Apostle Paul. He's ready to go. Why? Because he's not ashamed of the gospel. The most educated, influential, diverse city in all the world and he's going to go preach a simple gospel message because he's not coming with excellency of speech. There is a Savior to forgive your sins. Now, before I run out of time, let me just clarify a few things. You have heard messages like this so many times. Like, okay, the pastor encourages to share the gospel. Again. Again. Well, okay, let me, let me do it. There is somebody at work. Remember when I said the gospel is synonymous with Jesus because Jesus is the gospel? Of course you need to share the plan of salvation. But I want you to know the gospel encompasses all of God's word. J Joshua 1.8 talks about having the word of God on your lips. On, on your lips at all times. If you go share the gospel... It's like sharing his word. So it's not just the plan of salvation. You're at work with your colleague and you hear that guy keep on complaining about his wife. You have a verse to share. Like, you know, and I would encourage you to have, when I mean don't be ashamed of it, have confidence in it. Don't go and be like, hey, I believe that the Bible is true. Don't say stuff like that. It doesn't matter if you believe the Bible is true or not. The Bible is absolutely God's word. So when I'm being don't be ashamed of it, have absolute confidence that this is the inherent word of God. This is the text message from heaven. So when you see a guy complaining at work about the gospel, just say, or his, his wife, say, hey, you know the Bible says, or God says, God, the creator of you, says that you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Just, just quote a scripture verse. He might come back with a question, what is love? Love is kind. Love is patient. Love does not envy. 
It does not boast. Love covers a multitude of sin. We don't go talk about our spouse's sin. Parenting. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Ephesians 6. But encourage them and train them in the admonition of the Lord. Do you know that the word of God has a verse for every single thing in our lives? That's what I'm encouraging you to do. Go preach Jesus to people, whether it's the plan of salvation or something in parenting. That means we have to study to show ourselves approved. Guys, there's only one Savior in the world. That's why the gospel is so powerful. You don't need to believe in your ability to present it. You just need to believe in the power that resides within the truth of the gospel itself, within the truth of God's word. And I encourage you, go share that with people, your colleagues, your family, your friends. Make it a point in your life to do so. Let me share with you, I share it at Brian Stolzfeld's funeral, but I want to share with you this this quote, and then we're going to end. But don't forget, you need to go present this gift to the world that you've received. The gospel is a gift. You are in debt to the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Malcolm Muggridge was a British journalist, and he said these words. He went through World War I, he went through World War II, and he said these words. He said, we look back upon history, and what do we see? Empires rising and empires falling, revolutions and counter-revolutions, wealth accumulated and wealth dispersed, I look back upon my own countrymen who are convinced of what is a popular song, God who made the mighty will make the mightier yet. I've seen an America more powerful than the rest of the world combined and if they so desired could have conquered the world with their military might. I've heard a crazed crack Austrian announce to the world the establishment of a Reich that would last a thousand years. I've heard an Italian clown announce to the world that he was going to start and stop the calendar with his own ascension to power. I've heard a murderous Georgian Brigham in the Kremlin, acclaimed by the intellectual elite as a wiser than Solomon, a more humane than Marcus Aurelius, and more enlightened than chauffeurs amongst us, than chokers amongst us. All in one lifetime, gone, gone with the wind. England, a tiny island off the coast of Europe, threatened with bankruptcy. America threatened with losing its precious fluid that keeps the motorways roaring and the smog settling. Hitler, Stalin, and Mussolini, forbidden names in the governments they founded. And behind the debris of these solemn supermen and self-styled diplomatists and politicians stands the gigantic figure of one man in whom, through whom, and by whom is the forgiveness of sins, the man Jesus Christ. He looms over all past, present, and future. Why? Because he is the only Savior. Have confidence as you present that to the world. Amen? God bless you guys. May you go out and share the word of God everywhere you go. Be blessed.